Um, I think it's really great the way they uh, incorporated different people in the church into it. And, uh, and um, the potential is there always for horrible things, but we're going to believe God for great things in our midst. You ready? Amen. Wow. Could you imagine if it was one of your children, one of your grandkids, one of your, uh, maybe your spouse? That would be unbelievably horrible event. It would be very, very, very hard to deal with. So let's make a difference. And if you have any items you want to put in the auction for this Friday night, make sure you see Haley or Bailey in the back. And they can give you any information you need to know. I asked my wife if we could put a shotgun in it or, or what, I don't know, what do you put in these things? I don't know. She just looked at me. So this is a woman's thing, Dwight. You're probably not going to see a lot of women packing shotguns in, you know. But, but anyway, we'll see. And uh, this will be continued Wednesday night. I'll get an update on what we need to go over. But <clears throat> all right. I'm going to call some people up here. And I'm going to ask you to just stand kind of uh, in a line side by side. Since uh, Seth just came in. Come on, Seth. You come up here. And Kyle and Layton, just come on up. Come on up, stand up on the platform. Uh, Terry, I'm going to ask you to come up. Terry Sanders. Uh, Catman, I want you to come on up. Billy, I want you to come up. Um, Larry, Larry Cook, I want you to come up here. Yep. Um, trying to get Variety Chief, would you come up? 
Bobby Joyner, you're a big variety difference. Come on up if you would. Yeah, I want you to stand up here across the front. <coughs> Stay up there. I want everybody to see you a little bit farther. We're not jumping off. I want you to go up just a little farther. Yeah. Yeah. Stand side by side. I'm going to step down here, and I want you to look at the, the differences of each of these guys up here. Uh, some are younger, some are older, some are bigger, some are smaller, some are bearded, some are wise, and they got a slit-shaven face, they're godly. Uh, some wear glasses, some don't. Some of them have a, a whole lot of different things about them that's different than everybody else. But I want all of you to join arms, if you will. If I ask these guys to all walk forward and they all remain locked arms, I want them to come all the way to the edge. I'm not going to ask you to do this, so do not do this. Yes, don't do it, though. If I had them all to jump, they would all have to jump what? Together at the same time. What would happen if they all tried to jump at different times? They would all be hurt, or somebody would be big enough like Bobby to hold the rest of them up. Maybe, I don't know. But I know this, if they try to jump off together without being in complete unison and complete unity, somebody's getting hurt. It's just the way it is. Because look at their arms. I mean, some of you, sorry, it's Kyle. Some of you are a little more vertically challenged, and, you know, it just doesn't work. But you know what's awesome about this? Just hang on. What's awesome is guys all have one, at least one thing really in common. And if they were called upon the church to do something together, they could lock arms and do it with no problem. Why? Because they would do it unified. They may have different perspectives, have a different opinion on it, maybe have a different way of doing it, but they have one purpose. And that's exactly where we're going tonight about when God calls us as a body and as an individual to step out in ministry. Last Wednesday night, I talked about your voice. And, and this goes a little bit beyond your voice. That's, guys, that's all I needed. Thank you for coming up. You did a great job. You don't have to jump. Tonight I'm going to talk about three things just in the beginning. Uh, I've been sharing about spiritual gifts, but some gifts that we have that God wants to use in this body of believers. And you may think, well, why is he doing this? I'm just going to tell you why I've been teaching and talking about the things I've been talking and teaching on. I believe with everything that is within me that there is a purpose greater for this body of believers than anything we've ever thought or anything we've ever imagined. And the thing is, if we are not prepared individually, you can't just say we all got to be prepared together, friend. It has to come individually. This is where you as a believer have to start stepping out and believing, operating in gifts. Last Sunday night, I, I wrapped up about the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians. And, and as I wrapped it up, I had a, I had a gentleman uh, send me a message. And he said, man, I've been, I've been having dreams. And the Lord showed me somebody two different times. I had, I had somebody come up to me and share something with me in church. And then I've had two different instances in the night. I would wake up and, and I would see somebody in a dream. And then lo and behold, later I would beat them. And, and I felt like that God was telling me to be praying for these people that he's showing me. And he said, I never thought about it being a spiritual gift. I thought it was just something that was whatever. Joel chapter 2 says what? In the last days, my, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your young men will what? Dream dreams, your old men will see visions, your men will dream dreams. And upon my handmaids and upon my servants, I will pour out my spirit. There's something about that that I think is relevant today in this body. 
And there's something that God wants to do in individuals, not just the whole. Often when we come here and we call this our church, we look at everything as a whole. But you've got to learn to break it down, not in just a mass, but in the individual. And so the reason I've been talking about spiritual gifts and they need to be functioning in your life and not just here, but they need to be functioning in your life outside of here so that you are relevant and so that you are equipped to deal with things as the need arises. Would you agree with that? And so tonight we're going to be talking about gifts, but they're not necessarily going to be spiritual, but they're going to be other gifts that need to be operating in this church. They need to be. And friend, you are the ones who are the initiators of the gifts. And if you don't respond and you don't agree to it, then we'll never see God do all the things that he wants to do here. Let me give you a for instance. How many of you have ever been to a church that ever, don't take offense to this. Please don't take offense to this. Because I don't have a lot of hair, and what I do have, most of it's gray. So don't take offense to this. How many of you have ever been in church and 90% of everybody there was gray-headed? I have. Pastored them. Pastored them. What happens? What happens to a church when we all grow old, but we don't all grow and grow? Are you with me? We grow and we don't grow. We just grow old. Something is missing in the individuals. Often we put all the responsibility on the pastor, but all the responsibility isn't just on the pastor. It is upon the congregation. It's upon those that make up this body that makes the difference. Would you agree? Absolutely. Because if you can't... Brother Glenn, don't be mad. Don't you leave. Is he mad at me? Okay, I'm just checking. All right. So I want to talk to you about a couple of things. And the first one is unity. I'm going to talk to you about unity, diversity, and harmony. And that's before I get into Scripture, that's what I want to explain. Unity is the state of being united, joined together. I had these guys up here, and they were all joined. There wasn't any schism or anger or anything between these guys. And if there is, I don't know about it. But they were all unified. So unity is the state of being unified. It's something, when I started getting text messages last night about the about family night and how many people were here, man, it was great, and everything. I was hearing all these positive things, and, and, and did I feel a little guilty? Yeah, but, but I was where I was supposed to be, and the thing that was so awesome about it is that people came together and made this happen. So many of you got involved, and you've done things, and you made it happen, and friend, I cannot stress to you as a congregation how important it is with your action and your activity. Over the years, I have heard numerous and numerous times that people will say, I've never been to a church, that when the church is over and we're doing a function in the back, how the people get together and everybody starts cleaning up. It isn't just three or four. Because the mentality in a lot of churches is everybody shows up and everything's there, but only three or four do all the work. Happens all the time. Sometimes when you speak and you talk too loud, you give yourself a headache. So I'm going to calm down and... But it's something I begin to think about us as a church and us as individuals in this church. What can I do? What can I do more? What can I do different? How can I operate in, in unity and do things that, that benefits others and not me? The second one is diversity. Diversity means variety. A range of different things. A range of different things. Diversity. We have so much diversity. And let me stop here for a minute. I think that any church that's going to be strong has got to have diversity. If everyone in here was 18, it would be very different. 
It would be very different. It would be very immature. And I'm not hating on 18-year-olds. But it would be because the perspective would be different. If everyone in here was 75 or 80 years old, it would be another completely different. Right, Ramona? It would be different. So what do we do? How do we get perspectives right? God brought us together with diversity, differences. How many of you are from this area of Missouri? How many of you moved here from another state? How many of you would have ever thought I'm going to live in Honkin, Missouri? Not me. All of us had come here from diversity, a diversive background, a diversive way we were raised. Some of you were never raised in Christianity. You were raised in heathenism maybe or, or just whatever. And you were raised in this environment that is diverse, it's different. So what is God so unique about? God brought all these men that had come up here a while ago and they locked arms and they were locked in unity. But the other thing that we didn't see then is the diversity. Where did they come from? How do they think? How did they come to the place they accepted Christ? What do they think about this? How do they believe? There's a variety of things in our diversity. And the last one is this. Harmony. Who else can create the dynamics of a church where we have got unity, diversity, and still have harmony? How important is it? Well, let me tell you. Harmony is music. It's when people can carry a tune and they find their spot and they can stay there. Harmony amongst believers is a choice. I'm going to say that again. We can unify. We can be diversified and be different in a lot of ways. But when it comes to harmony, that's a choice. It just is. When you get in your vehicle to leave tonight, you can choose to have harmony with you and your spouse or you can look to have division. And friend, it will, be, it will determine how you look at it and what you want. So when we talk about harmony, a consistent, orderly arrangement of parts, a combination of stimulus, sound, uh, simultaneous sounding things that produce a pleasing effect. Last Sunday night, um, Kyle led us in some hymns, and, and man, it sounded like the Gaither vocal band up here, if not better. It was just amazing. It sounded awesome. It really, how many of you are here last Sunday night? It was amazing. I loved hearing them sing those hymns. It was just great. There was complete harmony, and, and the parts were so uh, definitive. They were just unique. But here's the thing about us as a church. I'm going to read harmony again. These are not my definitions. These are off Google. A consistent, orderly arrangement of parts. From the smallest to the middle to pre-high school to high school to college to the, those in their 30s, those in their 40s, those of us in Mid-life 50s, and then 60s and 70s and even 80s. God can take all of these things and bring them together. Does this make any sense so far? I know I still haven't got into Scripture, but I want you to understand the basis of how a church functions and how it has to function to grow. And if you do not have these three things, it will maybe stabilize, and it may stay there, but it won't stay there forever. You've got to have all three parts. Is this making any sense? I hope it does. I hope it does because your role here is critical. Your importance and your, your faithfulness is critical. I'd like you to go to the book of Amos, if you will. Amos chapter 3. <clears throat> Come here, little Josh. Come up here a second. You know, object lessons or making visuals on things kind of help. But Amos chapter 3 says this. Now, let's look at the size difference. It won't be long until this guy's what? Bigger than me. I mean, it's obvious it's going to happen. I know that. 
just hang on to me, all right? And don't take my glasses off again. All right, so here we have Amos chapter 3 and verse 3 says this. Can two walk together except they be in agreement? Now him and I, he noticed, I didn't have to tell him which way to go. What happened? As soon as I started mo- moving, do you know what he done? He felt the move. He knew something was happening. As soon as he felt my momentum change, he started going. If I stop, we cannot walk together if we're in agreement. What if you don't want to go? You want to go that way, right? Go that way. What happens when he pulls that way and I pull this way? Well, obviously. But, but what really happens? There is no unity. There is no unison. There is nothing accomplished. We are at a standstill. Amos chapter 3, 3. Unless they are in agreement, no, one, no two people can walk together. No multiple groups in a church can walk and function if there is not agreement. That's the way it has to be. And the thing is, thank Josh. The thing is, and my point in all this is you and I as individuals, God has called every one of us into ministry. Regardless of the dynamics or the depth of it, it may all vary, but he still called us. And the same principles apply in my life, and they apply in yours. Often we may not think that they apply in your life, but they do. You are a difference maker. You just are. You believe that? One way or the other, you're a difference maker. I'd like you to go, if you would, to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, awesome chapter, lots of things in it, but I want to focus on just three verses. Romans chapter 12 and verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And I want to stop there. You can read the rest of the chapter and it does nothing but support the things we've already talked about. But what is it that God is calling you to do here? And not just here, but also there. What is it? Are you, are you the exception? Are you exempt? I don't believe you're exempt at all. I think that God chose you for a purpose. And, you know, the dynamics of every one of our life are different and where we live and how we live and the family we have and the, and the environment where we live. Everything is, is unique to us. And the thing is, your position and, and your importance is huge. Wherever you're from, wherever you live, and whatever environment you live in, you are unique. Now, I don't know if this is making sense, but you need to embrace this because it'll change your perspective of your responsibilities where you are. So I'm going to go through this. Prophecy is spiritual. We hear a word of prophecy and God births something in us. It may be a work. And let me tell you about spiritual gifts. They don't just function in these four walls. They can happen in kids' church and in youth and out of the gymnasium and with men eating breakfast and ladies going on a trip out to Springfield or going men, us men going Friday morning, going up to Lake of the Ozarks. These, these ministerial gifts can be operational anywhere we go and at any time. 
So the first one is spiritual, it's prophecy. The next one is ministry. And what is ministry? Ministry is, is meeting needs, it's giving direction, it's the ability to help. Some of you have a gift of helps. You have, a, you have a gift of assisting people. It doesn't bother you to, to go and help and do something and, and put effort into whether anybody recognizes it. It doesn't matter to you. You're not doing it for anybody to see. You just do it. It's a gift. It just, it just comes from within you. Ministry. Ministry is hands-on action that, that becomes personal. You know, my mother, um, you know, my father pastored and, and, you know, my dad drove the bus some, but not much. He usually went to church and he was there. And, and my mother drove the church van for years. Dude, for years, most of my life. Dwight, you want to go on the bus? Yeah, I'll go on the van with your mom. I can't tell you how many trips I've been as a kid growing up on the church bus going to pick up the kids in them hollers. How many of y'all know what a holler is? Been in a bunch of them. And we would take them out there. My mom was known for her lead foot. Everybody see Sister Hensley coming. Here comes Martha. Boom. You know, she's just real fast, but it doesn't matter. My mother's role wasn't just a pastor's wife. She done a variety of things. And often, we don't see that the little things we do are important, but for ministry, is a variety of things. Learning to do things that nobody sees, the underlying things that you go and do. Number three was teaching. When we hear the term teach, often we think getting a Bible and get in front of a class, and that's true. But this morning, we shared something about men and their effectiveness as teachers. If you are a teacher and you've been called to teach, and if you are a man, you are a teacher. If you are a woman, you are a teacher. Whether it's in this area or if it's at work or wherever it is. Friend, if you're a teacher, you need to be what? Let me help you. If you're going to be teaching, you better be prepared. If you're going to be teaching, be prepared. One of the worst things that can happen, how many of you have ever went to a class and, and somebody's going to teach and they're unprepared? What do you get out of it? Absolutely nothing. Because they haven't put the effort in it. And every one of us has been called to teach, so there has to be effort. And if you and I don't put effort in the, the ministry of teaching, and I know teaching could go a lot of ways, but teaching is to admonish and prepare others. Number four, exhort, exhorteth. If you're one that exhorts, encourage, lift up. I'm not always the greatest encourager. I'm just not. It's not a... It's not a gift that just flows from me, you know. I mean, I, I like to see people prosper. I like to see people do well. I love to see people's lives change. But I don't have that natural gift, I don't think, like some people do. They're just always encouragers. You know, there's just something about them. They, they just reek with positivity. And they just, they just everybody that go around, man, you know, they're encouraging. You ever know anybody like that? Have they ever annoyed you, somebody like that? Absolutely. They can be a little annoying. Okay, that one didn't go over so well. So let's go on. So exhorteth. How about giveth? Those of us who have been blessed and, and God has given responsibility into your hand. Friend, if God has given you the ministry of giving, give. He has created you as a funnel of, of resources. And your funneling can be a variety of things. And it isn't just monetarily, but it is monetarily. Some of you, I believe with all my heart, you, you've not come into your element yet. You know, in time, in the future, a lot of you are young. But at some point, things are going to change in the dynamics of your life on your ability to, to let things funnel through you. Listen to me for a minute. Even when you don't have a lot, learn to let things funnel. Learn to be a giver. Learn to be one that, that is consistent in your giving and you make a difference. I hope I'm not killing you. Let it flow through you. Because the thing is, if you'll learn it when you're young, it'll be a lot easier when you get older. 
And when you get older, he can trust you with more. He who is faithful with little can be trusted with much. But he that cannot be faithful and cannot be trusted with little cannot be trusted with much. If you are a giver, let it go. Let it go. Let it flow. Let it go through your hands and to minister to others. Number six. Six says that you're a ruler. He that ruleth, let him ruleth well. Let me read that according to King James, the authorized version. He that ruleth with diligence. You know what I put down? He that is a good ruler, let him be a wise administrator. Some of is is in here school teachers? Anybody school teachers in here? Kaylin's teacher, Mary Beth. Anybody else a school teacher? Oh, Brother Teal. And who else is a school teacher? Anybody? Misty. Oh, I couldn't, sorry, I couldn't see you back there, Misty. Sorry. I've seen a palm above the computer, you know. <laughs> sorry. Anyway, she is definitely vertically challenged, but she's still an awesome teacher. So here's the thing. <clears throat> Administrators. How many of you have ever sat under a very poor administrator? A poor administrator makes decisions and does things based on what? Himself. A godly administrator is one who makes decisions based on everybody else. Some of you, God has called you into a place and a position that you are an administrator. You are a leader. You're one who knows how to make decisions. You see things broader than most other people. You can do things and you see things that other people don't see. This whole message tonight, this whole teaching is to strengthen you. It's not about strengthening me. It's about strengthening you. That you find value in what God's called you to do. And that you look at it and you're very, very serious about what he's called. The last one is, he that showeth mercy, do it with cheerfulness. There's been a lot of times over the years that I've done some things for people that I wasn't real cheerful. There's some people I've done things for in the past and I was aggravated before I got there to help them. I was aggravated the whole time I was helping them. And I was aggravated on the way home after I helped them. So needless to say, I guess my gift is not being merciful, right? But those of you who are merciful and you're able to extend a hand of mercy, you're able to lift somebody up when they're down, you're able to pick them up and encourage them when nobody else seems to get it, do it with cheerfulness. Because that is a gift that you have. And I can look around the room and a lot of you, I can tell you your gifts. I can tell you. It's not hard to figure out. But you know what's hard? Is some of you have never operated in any of these gifts. And boy, you're hard to figure out. Because you've never trusted that God could use you. You've never seen the value in yourself. You've never seen that God can take you into a place and put you in a place of leadership. Regardless of what area it is, there are gifts that God gives us for ministry. Compassion, love for others, you're moved emotionally. Administrators, the one who's a visionary, they see past the obvious. The one who has resources, the one who's a giver, they have money, they have time, they have tools, and they have abilities. We're going to move on a little farther because I'm going to wrap this up. Expecting action from your life. There's a guy in the New Testament, and his name was John, and and I think everybody in here has probably heard about a guy by the name of John. I'd like you to go to Mark chapter 1, if you will. I'm going to share this with you. Um, John 
John was not the most likely to succeed. John was not the one that everybody gathered around because everybody was always ooh and awe about John. John the Baptist was different. And I want you to stay with me for just for a minute because if there was someone, and my wife kind of rebukes me on this sometimes, but if there was someone in, in my mom and dad's family that me, myself, I never saw with any success, it was myself. And, and that's poor self-image, whatever you want to call it. I don't know all the words and lingo, but I know this. I could see my brother and I could see great success, great administrative abilities, super intelligence, the ability just to read things and comprehend it. And, and, and there was never anything that was an element of challenge to him academically. It just, it just happened. Then I see my sister. She was close to the same way and, and just really gifted in a lot of things. And, and I looked at myself and I go, hmm, what will ever happen? I can run my dad's business. I can run a parts store. I could run the service stations. I could deal with people pretty well. But I never seen the things that maybe God did. You see, some of us are, are the ones that were the most least expected. We are the ones that no one ever thought would be the, the change maker. We are the ones that nobody ever put validation on that you had something to offer and that you had any giftings. You were the one, you know, actually me, the way I looked at myself, I was the guy who played ball in, in school. I was the guy that everybody knew, and, and that's not prideful. It's just I knew everybody. I talked to everybody. Nobody's better than anybody, and I played sports, and that was kind of my thing. But nobody ever looked at Dwight and said, man, that boy, something's going to happen great in his life. It just didn't happen that way. But that's where God comes in with his hand upon you because he can reach through all the things that nobody else sees and begin to raise you up out of things that you never thought possible. It's just the way he functions. John the Baptist was anything but normal. Mark chapter 1 and verse 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and the way of Jerusalem. And they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river for Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with what? Camel's hair, and with a girdle of skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey. He preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, whose latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Everything about the way John appeared a lot of people didn't want to be like him. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm no John the Baptist. I don't want to wear itchy clothes. I don't like wool sweaters. I don't. I don't. I don't want to go out and eat wild honey. I don't even like honey. I don't want to go out and dip locusts in chocolate. Do you? But I do believe this. That God has called some of you into places you've never stepped yet. And friend, if you don't ever begin to see that there's a purpose and there's a place of ministry for you, here, then you're going to miss out on some of the greatest blessings in your life. I'm almost done. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. I think one of the coolest things about God is He doesn't expect us all to be little clones. He likes that diversity in our church. And when the messengers of John were departed, He began to speak unto the people concerning John. What went ye out into the wilderness for to see? A reed shaken in the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment, behold, they which are 
gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in the king's courts. But what were you out for to see? A prophet? Yes. And I say unto you, much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it was written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. And you can read the rest of that. But let me say this to you. John the Baptist would have never been effective without prayer. John the Baptist would have never been effective without stepping out and being himself, doing the thing that God has called him to do. And friend, this same principle applies to every one of you. You can't just look at other people and compare yourself. What does Scripture say about that? He who, who compares himself among himself is what? It's not wise. And probably my, one of my greatest setbacks in life throughout the years is I wanted to compare myself. We're going to wrap this up. We're going to be done. Just going to read some thoughts. <clears throat> Remember praise, acknowledgement, acknowledgement from men or fame or popularity is not the definition of greatness. I'm going to read that again. Remember in ministry or anything else, praise, acknowledgement of men, fame or popularity is not the definition of greatness. This church and every other church in this area must have harmony and participation to be effective. Does God want this church to grow? And I'm going to ask you this. Does he want this church to grow? How dare you if you don't say yes? I believe God's desire is that every church grows. Every one of them. Every, every one of us. As soon as we became pastors here years ago, we, we spoke at the community service. I'll never forget this message because I spoke it. Of, of one that I remember in. And I remember speaking, and I remember speaking at First General, and, and the message was about whenever Jesus told uh, Peter to cast his nets into the other side of the boat. And do you remember what happened? He cast his net on the other side, and we had all these different churches there, and, and we had a little better participation back at that point than we've had recently. But when he told him to do it, he threw his net over, and he was discouraged, and he didn't want to. But when he began to draw it in, what did he have to do? He had to call for help. I honestly believe that if we as individuals in every church will begin to embrace ministry the way we're supposed to, every church in Bloomfield will grow. Every church in Bloomfield will thrive. This whole community, I, and you, I've heard preachers say, man, the whole community has changed. The whole community has changed when the churches get directed in the ministry. They get directed as individuals, not just depending on the pastor to preach a message. It has to be something that comes from within us as a group. Okay, does God want this church to grow? Absolutely. I want you to stay with this. I've only got two more sentences, and I promise you we're done. Growth is a byproduct of our willing investment in others. I got this out of a book, One Size Doesn't Fit All. I don't remember the author's name. Growth is a byproduct of our willing investment in others. Dude, invest in people. Ladies, invest in other women. Men, invest in other men. Mentor people. Get involved in their life. If there's anything years ago, I used to talk about this all the time, is mentor those under you. Drill some things into these younger people's heads, not to confuse them, but to encourage them. If you are a great talent, you have a, you have a natural ability to do things, you should not go through ministry only segregating to yourself. You need to be finding people with the same like talent and sharpening and brightening them up and bringing them up into a place of leadership that you're currently in. And the last one is this. We're all on a spiritual journey. We're not here 
with the destination goal. And I say that to say this. I don't pastor this church to think, wow, if we hit 400 people every week, I'm good. We're done. No, because that's a destination. We are on a journey. Journey. I don't think there has to be an end to what God wants to do. I don't. And I don't think there's an end to what he wants to do in your life. But friend, it doesn't just happen. I'm going to say that again. It doesn't just happen. We've had a lot of our younger adults and a lot of our teenagers go down to forward. And, and one of the things I remember Layton came back a couple years ago and he was saying, you know, when Jensen, and I love to hear Jensen preach because, dude, he preaches. And he don't hold back and he lets it rip and lets it go. And he, he's relevant. And, and one of the things that Layton came back saying, he said, you know, he started off like any church. Started off and started a church and God began to bless it and God began to grow it. Friend, what? Whatever. He started this church and it began to grow. Everybody needs at least one son like that right there, all right? All right. Church, this whole everything tonight was about you as a, not necessarily a voting member, but you as a member, you as an individual, you as a believer. God has got ministry for you. And the thing that you also have to realize, it's not always the thing that you like. And we'll give my little speech on this. A lot of people want to sing on the platform. A lot of people can't sing. We're going to leave that one right where it is, and we're going to move on. Folks, this book has got a purpose and a plan. We're going to have a destination in mind as far as a plateau. This is a journey. We want to keep growing. We want to see people change. We want to see people's lives change. You understand that? Yeah. I, I really want to see St. Joe explode. I really want to see living water and, and spirit and truth and, the, and Trinity and First General and, and First Baptist. Why not? We shouldn't ever look at this as something that we, we want to grow, but we don't want anybody else. We need everybody to be growing. We need to see everybody begin thriving. And Ono, is, you and I got to do whatever we can here to welcome and, and bring things in to, to make a difference. Let your ministry be effective. I'm done.